So can you see the little verse 20 there? And we're going to go all the way down to the bottom. Ephesians chapter 4, mate. Right, are we good? Here we go. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbour. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up, in a, uh, up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. That's great, but the Bible, isn't it? May the Lord add much blessing to the reading of his word. Uh, I know we've just sung a prayer, but let's, um, <clears throat> let's pray to the Lord again before we begin anyway. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we bow before you now. You are the God in whom we live and move and breathe uh, we thank you that um, that you're a God of change we thank you that though the world was spoiled in the beginning when sin enter it, entered in we thank you that you didn't leave that situation we thank you that the whole of the Bible story from the book of Genesis right through to Revelation is a story of change we thank you that that change ends when you make all things new uh, and Father, we thank you that you invite us into that story. You bring us into that story. You seek to change our hearts and how we need our hearts changed. We thank you for giving us your word and your spirit to help us with that. So Lord, we pray that you would be here among us in a very special way this morning, helping us to uh, understand the change that you are about and doing a change in our hearts, we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Morning, everybody. Uh, let me begin <clears throat> with a couple of stories. I wonder, could we, if we're recording, could we just stop the recording at this particular... You even move towards those who don't want help. I know lots of you do. Um, after the pattern of God who moves towards us, um, even when we don't seek him. A God who moves towards people that don't seek him. But the people you're helping have exactly these kinds of complicated situations, don't they? Don't they? And the stories are so overwhelming that they threaten to swallow you up. 
as you're listening to them. You know somehow that Jesus Christ and him crucified is the ultimate answer to your friend's problems, but somehow that itself seems unconvincing even to you as you fight not to be swallowed up in the enormity of their story. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar to you? Where, where do we begin? Where do we begin to help? That's the right thing to be wanting to do. Where do we begin to help? Take a breath and understand, first of all, that people tend to respond sinfully to life's circumstances. The person you're trying to help will be no different. People's lives are messy. A complex mix of good and bad. But the thing to remember is that the overwhelming feature of the person before you will be sinful responses to life's situations. Okay? And those sinful responses are what makes a person's story so big and overwhelming that you can't kind of see your way through. With Mike, do you direct your help first to the marriage problem, uh, the drinking, the pornography, something else? Are they related? And you're going, ah, where do I begin? Knowing that they are just ways people find to avoid the real change the God of the Bible wants to do in them is just, well, clarifying, I think. It's just clarifying. It may stop you being swallowed up into their story and instead be able to point them to a better story. All people tend to respond to tend to respond sinfully to life's circumstances. And for our purposes, as we've been going through this real change stuff, we've called those thorny responses. Because the Bible does in Jeremiah 17, it uses those words, thorny responses. Um and that's not to say all responses are as bad as they could be, but that everything pretty much, every response will pretty much be tainted by that sinful response to life's situations. And if you've been doing the real change stuff, you'll remember that the situations of life are what the Bible calls heat. In Jeremiah chapter 17, heat. And that's the word that we've been using too. Um, and last week we saw that the heat in life can make things incredibly hard. Mike's marriage difficulties and the relationship that he's got with his kids incredibly hard. And as you listen on, you discover that um, he's got lots of pressures at work too. <laughs> Gail's fearful about the future for her teenage kids. And it turns out that she's, she never has enough money either and is borrowing on the never-never, and it's hard. Kate is living the dream, but, but she's got her own heat that she's contending with. It's just that it's not that apparent. 
It's just not that obvious. Heat makes things incredibly hard. And we dare to allow ourselves to believe that the heat is actually God's ordained place where real, lasting, worthwhile Christian change actually happens. The Bible writer James is even prepared to use the word necessary with trials. Uh, Though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than than gold, uh, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour. But you see, rather than allowing the crucible of uh, allowing the heat, sorry, to be the crucible of Christian change as, as we press in independence to the crucified and glorified Christ in ever-increasing circles, upward circles of peace and joy. Instead of that, we, we tend instead to do one of two things. We either dial down the heat or we turn up the heat okay so anyone and that includes the person that you're trying to help will have a story that is consumed and overrun with the consequences of either dialing down heat or turning up heat okay so by way of introduction to this passage let's just look at that some more what i mean by that okay dialing down heat okay Okay, your friend will be dialing down heat when they find ways to try to escape from under it shopping is a great way of dialing down heat you're absolutely worn out by the pressures of the week that when the evening comes or the weekend comes, you indulge and enjoy a spot of retail therapy. Yeah? Okay? Dialing down the heat. Okay? A way to escape the pressure. The kids, the anxiety about the health or, or loved one or whatever. Or escape might include or involve something else it might involve alcohol or something harder Uh, maybe tv Uh, maybe the playstation overspending and holidays can be ways of escape escape for some people might even masquerade as something good like community service See, community service could be a really convenient way of dialing down the heat. If I felt, for example, the heat coming from the weight of eternity and my own mortality bearing down on me and thought that it wouldn't hurt if I kind of racked up a few points in the Saitley column by doing some community service. In some people, work can be a a place of escape to avoid the heat of responsibilities at home. Look into the life of the person you're helping and there will be lots of ways that they are dialing down the heat through escapism. You might remember it like this. If you you can't face the heat, what do you do? You get out of the kitchen, don't you? 
and that's what we do that's what people do um, can't face the heat we get out the kitchen that's dialing down the heat turning up the heat is the second thing and that's so interesting because it's like the opposite but the other way we self-manage heat the exact opposite is not by dialing it down but by magnifying it and expanding it so that it dominates the person in front of you might choose to use heat as the lens through which they view the whole world so if it's a hardship of some sort they may only see the pain or the loss and want <coughs> gail feels the problems in her family so acutely that nothing makes life worth living here's a few other examples of like dialing up the heat or turning up the heat making it big if jade can persuade you that her health problems are so great she might even be able to use it to manipulate practical or even financial help maybe even dishonestly so it works for her to dial or to turn up the heat if richard can allow his family's indifference towards church to define him he can hide behind that to avoid shouldering any responsibility within church so it works for him if sharon can use her bitterness and anger about a former friend's behavior to to take over her so that she can justify continuing to harbor vengeful thoughts or unforgiveness then that's working for her if tom can let his childhood his difficult childhood upbringing dominate then he can shift the blame for all his failures at his dad's door and that will work for him jack might feel so overwhelmed with wanting to to achieve at work which actually he could be quite good at imagine this that he comes to define himself by his success at work and has all sorts of ugly misplaced pride in his accomplishments turning up the heat the point is that the the people that you and i want to help will be de desperately invested in these protection mechanisms jill will be always in despair jade will be constantly needy never giving and sometimes dishonest richard will be lazy and unreliable sharon will be prickly and hypersensitive and tom will be self-excusing and self-righteous and it will serve them well to be so it works for them now those are just a few of the thornbush responses that emerge as, as we respond to the situations in life uh, the heat by, by by escapism by dialing down or by dialing up the heat and the point is that each of these people will want to convince you that the root problem is out there is outside of them it's in the heat somehow it's someone else's fault it's an, something out there that's the problem and in those moments you need to remember okay 
you need to remember that people don't all respond to the same situation in the same way. You know that they don't. Which means it's not the situation that's making the decision, but the heart. The part of them that thinks and feels and loves is where the decision to do what they're doing is being made. So they want you to think, okay, heat leads directly to thorns. That's the way they want you to think. The way we, 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 we may think ourselves and we need to remember that heat plus heart equals thorns. Okay? People make decisions, not situations. And how they'll respond, normally thorny, those decisions come from the heart. I can't believe we've got to week three of this chain stuff and we haven't had a gardening illustration yet. Um, probably because Steve's done the first two messages. But I mean, this, this is a gift. This is, the, this is the gardening illustration, of course, isn't it? Okay? You know, if you've been in a garden and you've tried to clear weeds, anybody ever done any of that stuff? Yeah? Um, if you try and clear weeds, vine weeds or brambles, we've got a load of those in our garden, and you just clear it away on the surface chop them away and stick them in the green bin it looks really good doesn't it for a week maybe even two weeks but sooner or later those weeds will be back we know that don't we because the only certain way to clear vine weed and brambles is to tackle them at the root it's an obvious picture there isn't it okay which is exactly what ephesians 4 is about I hope you've got your Bible still open there. And it's how we get help in helping others change and how we get help in helping ourselves change, actually. Ephesians chapter 4. And when Steve was reading it out, well, there's lots of don't do this, but do this in Ephesians 4, particularly chapter 4, verse 25 onwards. And reading into chapter 5, don't do this, but do this. Don't steal, do work. Did you hear that one when it was being read? Don't lie, do speak truthfully. Don't be bitter and angry, do be kind and compassionate and forgiving. And I reckon I used to read it like this. There are these things that if I'm a Christian, I must embrace and do. Okay, And there are these things that I must turn away from, I must renounce, I must not do. And that is what it means to be a good Christian. That's how I used to read these, I think. When in fact, what we're looking at here in, in, in Ephesians 4 is a manifesto for change in the ordinary daily stuff that makes up 95% of life. We think change is going to occur in the really big things in life, don't we? But actually, the Bible says change occurs in the mundane, everyday, 95% of life. 
Um, and this here in Ephesians 4 is the manifesto for change. Uh, we didn't read it. We didn't get to it. But chapter 5, verse 15 of Ephesians, just over the page there, chapter 5, verse 15 says it puts it like this. Be very careful. Okay, when somebody says be very careful, you know what that means, don't you? Be very careful then how you live, it says. Or as another translation puts it, look carefully how you walk. That is the walk of life. Dire straits, the walk of life. Okay, be careful how you walk. Look carefully at the 6 a.m. Look at the 7 a.m., look at the 8 a.m., look at the 9 a.m. and so on throughout the daily walk of life. The 95% stuff that goes on each day, not as unwise, it says, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity to walk well because the days are evil. How do we walk well? Well, in verses 22 to 24, the manifesto for change is spelled out. Have a look at it now as we look at it together. Verse 22 to 24. Just concentrating on this bit here. Look what it says. You were taught. Okay, he's writing to Christians who've been taught the gospel of Christ. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Okay, Paul says, put off your old self. He's talking to them about what they were like before they became Christians. That's what he means by their old self. And he says, put on your new self, your in Christ self but it's clear that although that's going to involve behavior as verse 25 and onwards makes clear work not stealing truth not lies and so on it's going to involve that it, although that's clear the putting off and the putting on Paul says is to happen at the level of the heart the thinking, feeling, loving heart of a person, the control center. And that's why he says the old self is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. And desire is a heart word, something that's going on there. And he says, and be made new in the attitude of your minds. And attitude of mind is to do with the control center, the heart of a of a person again. So we might summarize Paul's manifesto for change here, and change is important for us. We might summarize it like this, okay? There will be all sorts of sinful responses to heat going on in a person's life, and they may very well be overwhelming as you listen to them. But <laughs> Remember, the real work is going on in the heart. That's where the roots go. So he says, keep your sights on that. Gail's suicidal because the problems in the home weigh heavily. It's tempting to offer some worldly wisdom, 
to to help her son's weed addiction or or her daughter's self-harming and i'm not saying there's not a place for that kind of help but you need to help her to take off the world's way of thinking here in the heart where god is a just a passive bystander uh you know, as he often is, the way people think, and put on the reality that God is right in the middle of that thing as it's happening. The one in whom we live and move and breathe. He who is eternal and is over all things, folks. Sovereign and active, infinitely loving, infinitely wise. Practically speaking, it means that as we move towards people needing help, we're going to need to be patient listeners to try to understand their heat, to feel it as, as though we were in their shoes. Hear what's important to them and let it, let it settle on our hearts. And if we're going to help, we're going to have to listen for and celebrate the good in them that we hear when something of the image of God even even if it's difficult to see remains I might say you know Gail even when they're making life difficult I've seen how you really love your kids and you want what's best for them don't you being able to celebrate the good we're going to need to listen without being judgmental and that's really hard isn't it when the temptation is to think as you're listening, you're your own worst enemy. Come on, haven't you felt that when you've listened to people, tried to help them with their problems, you've thought, you know, you're your, your own worst enemy. And we're going to have to, to put aside that temptation. We need compassion that says, you know, given their exact same circumstances, history, outlook, measure of grace, can I honestly say I would react to their situation better? Got to be really humble as we listen. And then, okay, forget dial down and turn up. Then remember it's take off and put on. There's the hell that they need. We need to some way of bringing the reality of the always present all sovereign always active all wise eternal patient gracious and compassionate living god of the bible father son and holy spirit into the center of their world how are you going to do that it may be a prayer it may be a prayer lord Lord, you see how much Gail loves her kids and wants to do right by them. Please, would you intervene and turn them from the things that are hurting them. And although we may not know why you allow these things, be, be very present, Lord, would you, with Gail as the real and the living God of infinite love and power and wisdom. In our own words, bringing the Lord in prayer into the middle of it. Or, or a comment, if, you, if they know that you've heard their heat, okay, and their pain, you know, you know, can I share something that I've noticed as I've listened with you? You've got, you've got so much that's going on on the horizontal plane. What, what difference would it, would it, 
make to bring the reality that something significant in the vertical is happening in all of that horizontal stuff that you've shared with me. What difference might that make? Maybe it's a comment like that 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 opens up that discussion and helps you to bring the Lord right into the middle of it. Those those practical examples just focused mostly on people who were dialing up the heat. But what about people where escapism dominates? The person who's living the dream, where your help, they might not want your help, it might be unwelcome. Well, I guess we remember that there's no reason why the heat wouldn't be just as much intense and painful. Um, And we've got to try and create the opportunity to hear that. Tell me, um, what's, what's hard in life at the moment for you? What's good? Maybe that's a, that's a way into that. And having listened to help them to see somehow that those escapist tendencies are just the ways, as much as any ways that we might have, of responding to the, the fear of the heat rather than letting the, ver- the very present Lord meet us in it. Do you know, with all that going on, maybe we say, <clears throat> I'm not surprised that you'd want lots of holidays. With all that stuff that's going on, I'm not surprised that holidays would be so helpful. But given that from eternity to eternity, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. And you know, holidays don't last that long, do they? What would it be like to press into the living Lord in the middle of those things that you've shared with me and allow him to be your refuge and strength. Well, time is up. Um, Real help and lasting change comes when a person invites the Lord into the middle of what they're facing. Instead of doing that, we dial down or turn up the heat in a myriad of thorny responses. And we are deeply invested in those complex responses because they work for us. Paul exhorts us to counter these thorns by putting on, well, putting off and putting on at the level of the heart. And I hope that will help us to face other people's problems as we want to help a little less overwhelmed and a little more confident about the help that they truly need but may not actually really recognize. And I hope um, it'll make us all a little more wise to the ways in which we dial up and dial down the heat. Every single one of us in this room um, Finding in those things our refuge, whatever they are, when all the time he would be a better joy and peace and comfort and refuge in the heat. I want to close with an illustration from Hosea that we were reading last year. A prophet who by his life and his words was sent, if you remember, to convey the loving heart of God towards a people who would turn away from him as spiritual prostitutes. And in chapter 11 of that book, God reminds his children that his fatherly love is better, guys, is better 
than all of the myriad ways that they had found to dial down or dial up the heat. Hear the Lord appealing to them here and saying, I'm enough. They're, They're not worth it. I'm enough in the midst of the heat. Hear him as he says this. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. But the more I called Israel, the further they went from me. They sacrificed to the Baals and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. I lifted the yoke from their neck and bent down to feed them. My people are determined to turn from me. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads and pray. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Our God and our Father, the very present, all-wise, all-loving, all-powerful, eternal God. Give us a special insight this week to see how we find comfort and refuge in thorny responses to our own situations as we try and run from the heat. Instead, would you be thou our vision? Would you help us to turn from those things and to find our comfort and our refuge and our deep joy and our satisfaction in you? For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to sing, Be Thou My Vision. Because that's the answer, isn't it? to Paul's manifesto of change the answer to change for all of us be thou my vision